uh, Joya, welcome to Wonder Women in Business. Uh, before we get started, I just want to give a little bit of an intro for the women at Lady Drinks, of course, as well as my new Wonder Women in Business uh, members and listeners to what is Wonder Women in Business all about, um, how can they get involved, and why did I ask this wonderful superstar Wonder Woman to my podcast today. So again, my name is Jasmine Sandler. Um, I own a company called JS Media. We're a digital media and marketing agency. Been around for, believe it or not, over 14 years, which I can't believe at this point. And um, I, my job is really to educate and lead women. But I work with, we work with both entrepreneurs and executives to help them build their brands and become thought leaders. And just shy of about six months ago, I had another podcast series called Uncover, and I was interviewing CEOs, men and women, and I found more of a demand and a need and explosion to actually support female entrepreneurs. So that is 100% my focus, focus of my business, which is to interview really sharp, successful people like Joya and my other guests to steal their secrets and share their best practices about what they've done in their businesses to succeed and how that can help you. So that's Wonder Woman Business, and that's what we're all about. And again, I wanted to uh, thank Joya for being on today. I know she's a very busy woman, as are all my guests, because they're all superstars. So I'd like to start with uh, just giving a short bio of Joya. And Joya, please feel free to you know make any adjustments to it. But um, I've actually known Joya for uh, quite a long time, actually. We haven't done too much together, but uh, my first introduction to Joya, I don't know if you remember, was through Leslie Grossman uh, of Vistage and another powerhouse woman. And I remember that she asked, uh, she introduced us and asked you to do a favor for me and you, you helped me within like a week. And I was just astounded, you know, just because I'm a woman in business, you helped me. So I really appreciate it. And those are the women that I, that's who I want to be. And that's who I think we all kind of want to be and help each other. So Joya's background and what we're going to talk about today, I'm sure we'll talk about a whole bunch of things. But she's a very strong background in uh, as an anchor. And that's why I'm a little nervous interviewing you as an expert. But that's okay, because I didn't go to journalism school. But she's been, she's been an anchor and a producer in television, which I know is hard. And I know it's hard for women. Um, she's been an anchor for um, such media companies as Bloomberg, CBS, uh, ABC. And I know that you had a production of your own early on as well that I'm sure you're going to share us share a little bit more about um, and uh, did some work with New York One, New York One as well. Um, so she, I may have butchered that, but I know that about you. And uh, she is running an organization now that I actually really want to get into on the podcast called Lady Drinks. And I think it's really cool. I love the whole idea behind it. She's supporting South Asian women, uh, in female executives in networking and community building. And so she's perfect to have on the show. So again, welcome to the podcast, Joya. And um, if there's anything you want to amend to that bio, feel free. But I wanted to start off with the first question, which is about women in the media. You know, so can you talk talk about talk about why you went down that route? First of all, like what triggered you to go that way, and what it's been like, and maybe sharing anything that you can with aspiring women that want to get into the media. Well, Jasmine, thank you for having me on your show. I didn't actually remember that I had galvanized and helped you inside of a week, but that sounds like me. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was really impressed. 
I'm a responder and that's something that I pride myself in. Um, as far as the anchoring goes, I've known since I was four years old that I wanted to become a TV anchor. My father is an immigrant from Burma and I think that he thought it was very painfully American every single night to sit down at 6.30, turn on the TV and learn about the world through Tom Brokaw on NBC Nightly News. And so this daily ritual was something that I, I, I participated in because I would sit with him and, um, and I don't know that I quite understood everything that was going on yeah. but the one thing that I would do is I would grab all the like eight by ten pieces of paper I could find <laughs> four-year-old hands in the house spread them all over the coffee table oh. so I could mimic just how important and industrious Tom Brokaw looked um, but I think that that I tell that on pretext because that really informed very early what it is that I wanted to do in terms of my career I think my mother, who otherwise didn't have much of a voice in a traditional Indian home, picked up on that, and she really nurtured um, my writing capabilities from a very young age. She was always scouring the newspapers in the morning for writing contests and essay contests and oh. spelling contests to enter yeah. into. And so I was very clear by the time that I was going to college that I was going to become a TV anchor. Now, this is a seminal moment in my life because, I, again, I come from a traditional home, and my father was also very very clear that he, uh, if he was going to pay for my college education, that he, I was going to become a doctor. And so um, uh, we have we have many similarities, Joy. But keep going. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I to make a very long story short, that was really a big breaking point for us. I ended up paying for college paying for grad school, paying for every move around the country to come to New York and do what it is that I had set out to do when I was four years old. Wow. And so I guess the takeaway or the lesson or the learning from that is that if with, with sheer grit and persistence, you can achieve what you want. But the other layer, which is very important and also informs the work that I do today with Lady Drinks, is that in the absence of family, I installed some very strong men and some very strong women who believed in me and believed in my dream as my support system. So I did not get here alone. And I think that that is um, probably one of my biggest mission statements with which I lead Lady Drinks today is that I think you need to build that support system for yourself if it doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, I love it. Um, so I come from a family of doctors. And when I was four, I saw a commercial on TV. And I said, that's what I want to do, not knowing that meant advertising. So isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. So, but um, being that it is a very brave field, and I think for women, um, did you come across any specific challenges you can share as a woman in the media? I mean, working with others, climbing up the ladder, anything that you want to share there? So the other layer that's worth sharing here is that I did something very specific, which is that I covered the financial markets from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Mm. So by virtue of that fact, I was surrounded by men all the time on the trading floor, interviewing CEOs, every single person in my life, nine times out of 10 was probably a male figure. So um, the other piece that's important to share is that I was always remote. So I was blissfully kind of exempt from a lot of the office politics that went on. And because there's a certain language that goes with delivering financial news, and you have to become quite facile with that in order to be able to tell it on television, um, that really offered me a lot of job security along the way. And I was able to really um, you know, unless it was a super big breaking news story and there was a lot of legalities around it where I had to be very careful with what I said, I pretty much had a lot of license with what I was saying. I was writing my own scripts and I was also delivering them. Mm, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's interesting in a different, it's about, I think what you're 
the kind of the lining here, I, I hear the summary here is that you have to be kind of creative and innovative in the way that you do your business. And like, I like that you said it's persistence and it's, and it's grit. So leading into well, that's that. The other important piece is that because right. I was interviewing male CEOs, those 15 minutes or that commercial break right before I was interviewing a CEO, and sometimes I only learned 30 seconds before that I was interviewing the opening or closing right. bell CEO. So that right. earpiece that I had with my producer very quickly bringing me up to speed on the mission of the interview, who the person was and the questions I needed to ask, um, really taught me to be able to think on my feet, but to always be very, very clear. And I think because I was in the presence of, of usually male CEOs, I think they respected that I'd done my due diligence and that I was a good interviewer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you were put in a, in a tough place and you succeeded, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think that's a, that's a lesson that we talk about a lot. Um, I don't know if you listened to the other episodes, but we talk about a lot about as a woman in the face of doing business with men or just in the face of difficult challenges in business about having that resolve and that confidence and the ability to think quickly and, and, and walk forward in a confident way, right? So, so talk to us a little bit about Lady Drinks. Um, you know, the, why did you come up with it and what is it all about actually? Well, you mentioned that I, you know, I was a producer just at, at, at the 2010 mark, I was looking back on my career and I realized I didn't feel like I had a body of work that I could look back on and say I was proud. Um, business news, especially the daily grind of news is just get it out, get it out, get it out. And you never really have time to stop and make anything beautiful. So I started a production company with a view to do exactly that, to tell longer stories, have the time to revise and be able to make things beautiful. And I had taken on a business partner at that time. And my business partner had started Lady Drinks in Toronto. It was a way post-recession for women in film and TV to network monthly and get jobs. So when she had moved to New York and we went to City Hall to form our company, Greta said to me, could we host Lady Drinks in New York? It would be an exercise in business development because our projects, of course, needed to keep coming. Yeah. And so I said, sure. And what I didn't expect was when we started hosting those first events in July of 2012, some 300, 300 Indian women were showing up to these events. Unbeknownst to me, I'd been hiding behind the TV camera all these years. Mm -hmm. There was a whole generation of girl that had grown up watching me on TV at a time when Indian women were not on mainstream television. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. So it was a it was a bit of a come to Jesus moment for me because I realized that whether I liked it or not, I was in a place of responsibility. Mm -hmm. I had always been sharing quite un unapologetically that I had wanted the stream and made it for myself, and I didn't really care what anybody else thought, <laughs> and I had no idea that anybody had been listening. So, um, you know, that was when I made the decision that I was going to start connecting the dots. I had been interviewing titans of business and CEOs of Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies my entire career. Right. Why not start to take that dynamic from behind the television screen and bring it in front of a live audience that's hungry for this information and create these teaching moments? So today, Lady Drinks is eight years old. There's, um, it's an event-driven organization. Um, the way that I built the listserv and aggregated all 1,800 women is by hosting events. A lot of them are fireside chats. For example, we've got the CEO of Vimeo in January. She's a South Asian woman. What a bonus okay. able to share a, a story of somebody who's succeeded in a non-traditional career. Mm, that's amazing. And so what are the... So what do the chats look like nowadays in terms of your, your frequency? Where are they held? 
is there a specific place or you know are they are, are they hosted by companies talk a little bit about that so I, um, I left my full-time job to run Lady Drinks full-time November of last year. Okay. The event can take on three different um, styles. So if it's a fireside chat, um, I will host them here at Luminary, which is a women's collaborative hub. That's where I work, and I believe you're a member as well. Okay. And a fireside chat is exactly that. There's 20 minutes of me really telling the story in conversation with whoever the subject is. Mm-hmm. I'm very intentional and in usually choosing a minority Um, role model, South Asian role model, if it's possible. Um, So that's one bucket. The other bucket can be arts and culture. One of my favorite tours to do is to hire a docent and do a private tour of a major museum. Um, The one that I've done at the Louvre, at the National Museum of Women in the Arts in D.C., Art Institute of Chicago just on Friday in San Diego was a tour of women-only artists because until the 20th century women were not allowed to become artists but there were a few that managed to leverage relationships leverage sponsorships and break through and become successful businesswomen so finding a docent that's savvy in that topic and telling those stories is really interesting to me and that's something I've been able to replicate in any major city that has a major museum the third bucket of events is my annual extreme sports challenge Uh I love pushing women so far outside of their comfort zone to discover what else is possible for them Mm -hmm. so last year we did a skydiving challenge where seven women jumped out of a perfect wow (laughs) this year we did trapeze school on the west side highway and next year I'm planning zip lining but it's a metaphor I'm really again I, I want to see what else is possible for you. I want to know what else is possible for me. And so um, hosting events like this really kind of pushes you to that edge, my hope anyway. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you didn't call me about the skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? I used to own an extreme sports marketing agency, so we could talk on the side about that. I, when I greenlit that event, I was curious <laughs> to see who would show up. And by the end, I had seven women. I was pretty happy about that. No, that's honestly, that's great. So uh, as far as the uh, population of South Asian women, are there, is there more of a concentration in different cities? Do they tend to focus in on specific industries? Can you talk about that population a little bit? Sure. So back in 2000, the population of just South Asians in general, it's, it's tougher to have really specific data around South Asian women professionals, but just South Asians as a population in the United States in the year 2000, numbered 3.8 million. Mm-hmm. And as of the last census data that I have here, and I just dug it up because I knew that we were going to be talking about this, but as of the last census data, there are now 4 million Four, sorry, 4.3 million South Asians living in the United States. And the top two fields that most people occupy are either technology yeah. or medical. Or medical? Medical. Right, which makes, which, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, and so... It's only about 3% of the population, Asians in general, or maybe 3 to 4% really? of the U.S. population. And I think by the year 2025... And by the year 2050, we're expected to jump up to 9% of the population. Hmm. You know, what just struck me is this topic of inclusion. So I'm going to get right into it. Mm -hmm. Generally with my guests, I talk about inclusion from the point of, because I've interviewed women, great women from, from corporations leading DNI. I've interviewed women that have come primarily from finance and DNI and now are doing something entrepreneurial. But you're actually a little bit different, which is interesting to me in terms of when I talk to them about inclusion, it's primarily about men and women. 
But I'm wondering from your standpoint, because you're serving a very specific segment of women. Um, I'm wondering about how you see inclusion between women of different cultures and races and how you've seen that work in, in business or maybe through your events. Any short like stories you want to share? Because that's just an interesting topic that no one really, really talks about, honestly. I was recently at a biopharma company hosting a half-day workshop, and the workshop was really about assertiveness in the workplace, and the employee resource group that I was speaking to was the Asian American Pacific Islander resource group. Um, and, the, and the topic that we wanted to address is that our cultural mores, the, the ethos with which we are raised, is that we're supposed to be submissive, we're supposed to be deferential, we're not supposed to be asking for what we want, and if we do, we're considered brazen. While that's all well and good at home, that is not necessarily working in our favor in the workplace. Right. So um, a question that comes up again and again, and something that's been a great topic of conversation in the last two weeks, because I was on another podcast where this question was posed to me, how can we, as, as South Asian women, who are otherwise taught to be humble and submissive at home, be better advocates for ourselves in the workplace. And I actually crowdsourced the answer. Um, there was so many answers that came in because apparently everyone wanted to talk about this, but I thought the top four things that I got out of crowdsourcing that answer was number one, always be asking how you can be adding value in the workplace. That is the number one way to stand out. So being, so being asking to be there as a resource. Right, so that right. And, and maybe volunteering to raise your hand to do work that maybe somebody else doesn't want to do to really kind of, you know, imprint yourself into the workplace. Um, number two is to have a bride book or an impact journal. In other words, anytime that you have helped somebody, anytime you've given a great presentation, anytime that you found yourself winning a laurel, write that down because life is definitely going to kick you down. And it's important to have that list handy to really boost your confidence. You know, um, the, the third thing is lists. And of course, we all as women have to do lists that are coming out of our ears. But yeah, it's never ending, right? Yeah. But to have lists that are really, really rattling off what is working for us and what is not working for us. What were our trigger points? When did we act emotionally versus rationally? And when you see that all written down on paper, it really helps you to be a much more effective leader. Oh, uh, I, that, that number three, I think that's number three. I have to echo that is the importance of that change now, changes you. But if you repeat it, those patterns can help you grow, especially what you said. I just want to stop you because I think it's so important that women, you know, tend to make decisions more based on emotions, right? Than logic, just in general, it's a general blanket statement. However, it is critical in business. I think, and as you said, that a woman recognizes that. And I love that you're talking about writing it down to say, hey, you know what? In this situation, if I have to make decision A or B and time is money, am I making it with my heart or am I making it based on something that's logical? So thank you. I just want to say that about number three because it's important for all the women. Yeah, and, and just really being able to like look at that list and, and do a little bit of a self-inventory. So where am I being effective and where am I not being effective? Um, there were so many other points, but I think number four was really to always look people in the eye and speak directly and lead with your natural curiosity. Yeah, I, I have found the common thread of all the women that I've chosen to be on this podcast 
is that they all got somewhere because they are all curious. Mm -hmm. all, every single one. It's interesting. So I think that that is an important trait and to not let that curiosity be squashed. And you can't let it get squashed if you are open and a little bit more assertive. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now let's talk about, I like, you gave a great story about how you came up. I love the four-year-old, you know, you as the broadcaster and the Tom Brokaw story. Um, yeah. Let's talk about you now. What, you seem very mission driven to me. <laughs> so um, what are your kind of like your own values and mission and mission every day when you wake up and you do your job of running Lady Drinks? And like you said, you do have this responsibility on your shoulder now. So what, what are your values and what's your mission? Um, one of my top most values, I don't even know if you, one will consider it a value, but self-care is Number one, I spend the first 90 minutes of my day taking care of me. That means that I'm up at 5.30, at the gym at 6.30, and I'm pounding it out until at least 7, 7.15. Um, I think it's important to really take quiet time to just kind of, you know, just the day is crazy. There's so many things going on. Just taking those 15, 20 minutes to kind of center myself before I dive right in is a really, really important piece of that 90 minutes of the day. As far as my other values go, I'm a big believer in responding. I'm a responder, as we talked about earlier. In, in a bigger way, I believe in, in showing up and following up. So if I've given you my word that I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through and I'm going to do that. And I really, really respect and value that in other people and, and seeing that kind of follow through. I'm a time Nazi. I believe in having respect for my own time and respect for other people's time. So if I tell you I'm going to be someplace at eight, I'm going to be there by 7.50. And I really, really love it when other people show that kind of value and show that kind of like, you know, um, respect for, for my time and, and what I'm giving. Um, I think one of my other core values is to really speak up. I mean, I just don't think that you ever achieve anything by bottling it up, um, but being able to speak up with a level of grace, and I'm a work in progress with that for sure, but I think that one of my value systems is every day, how can I make sure I'm speaking up if I'm not okay with something, but making sure that I'm doing it in a nice way. In business, I've learned that you've just got to always be nice. You never know when you're going to meet somebody again. Well, I agree with you on all those, except, and not except for especially the the second to last, so the one about when you say you're going to do something, do it. I think in this day and age, it's easier. That's the easiest thing and the simplest thing you can do to be more successful than anyone else because a lot of people fail to see the importance of that. So mm -hmm. I, I really, I, I think that your values are, are spot on, especially if you're in a leadership role, right? And it's important for me to surround myself with people that also espouse those values. Um, I think that that's part of, you know, winning is, is making sure that I'm around people that also follow through on their word and are, you know, respectful of time and all the other things that I mentioned. Yeah. Okay. So question for you, uh, for the audience really is if a woman in the audience, there's a lot of creative women that I surround myself with. I'm a creative person. Um, so for the women that want to get involved in any, in a creative field, like you mentioned, TV, I think is a creative field, production, you know, media, any tips to give women that are interested in, in TV, film, media, you know, about getting started or resources that you can talk about for them? 
Yeah, I mean, TV has changed so much since I first started in 1999. And so, you know, every day I have somebody ask me, how can I get more media? How could I, you know, get on television? And the thing that I always come back with is um, every single tool that you need to be able to develop yourself as a thought leader is now available to you at your fingertips. Right. You could start a YouTube channel and commit to posting every single day, both in writing and in video on one topic that you are an expert on. And if you can demonstrate that you have developed a following as a result of that, the media will come and find you. That's right. how Justin Bieber was found. That cool. is how Referlio got started. I had you know, the privilege of hearing it on Monday. There's yeah. a fellow that I follow on, um, on YouTube called Jake Ducey who talks a lot about mindset and building an abundance mindset. Same thing. It was just him and his iPhone, and he just committed to posting every single day. Gary Vaynerchuk took his father's wine and liquor store in New Jersey from a couple million dollar business to a $60 million business by posting every single day about wine. You right. know, and all he did was like, you know, talk to you like you were in this living room about the wine of the day. So I just feel like, you know, if you can demonstrate that commitment and if you can position yourself as an expert in something that you're passionate about and you know, I think that the world is your oyster. Right. Yeah, it, it really wasn't that question, but I appreciate the answer. The question was much was more about if a woman wants to get in the world of film, she wants to work in film or work in TV or work behind, that behind the scenes or become a reporter or a journalist. I come across these women all the time. That's the the careers they want to get into. Um, and because you have such a strong background in that, I wonder if you have any tips for for those women that want to get get into these fields as careers. I still think my answer is the same. I still think that all the tools that you need to be able to make that entry are available to you. You can create your own inertia. You don't have to wait for a bunch of men sitting in a boardroom to green light you as a filmmaker or as an actress or oh, as a Okay. Okay. Got it. Perfect. Okay. So um, the question I ask all of my guests is how would you describe a wonder woman in business? What does that mean to you? I, think that a wonder woman, in other words, someone who to me is like a real leader, is somebody who's gotten to a place in her career where they've got the resources, they've got the skills with which, or the relationships that they've cultivated where they can pay it forward. So for example, I'm about to host an event in Houston and I am just bowled over by the caliber of women that I've been introduced to, but I've been introduced by each person saying, oh, you should meet this person. Oh, you should meet that person because I've become very clear about who it is that I want to meet and each of them are coming to the table with a list of other women I should meet so to me like that's a leader you didn't come to this empty-handed you knew what joy was gonna ask and you came with a list ready I think the second thing is that somebody who follows up and shows up you can be busy we're all busy it's always a choice but I really really respect a Wonder Woman who actually follows up on what it is that they pledged that they were gonna do um, the third thing is that uh, I think that a Wonder Woman is always, always learning. Um, I, I cite my friend Paula Rizzo Berman, who's written three books. Oh. I'm still trying to write one book. And, <laughs> and yet she's still going to a writing retreat at the end of September. She's very generously invited me to come along. Oh. But I love that she's always engaged in bettering herself. And she is somebody who always follows through. We, we were colleagues in the news business, so there's a reason for that. But to me, those are kind of the top traits that I look at when I say, uh, when I think about the traits of a Wonder Woman in business. Yeah, well, I echo all of them. I think that a Wonder Woman in business is 
is a leader and a leader can't come to the table empty handed. And also, I love what you said about the, the Houston. I, I saw your post about the women in Houston. I started thinking of women I actually am going to introduce you to. So I yeah. thought of, that's what it's about. It's about, hey, it's, I've got, we've gotten to this point where we can share, where we can help, where we can build a community. And to do those things, we, do, we have to show up, right? We can't, you don't get to that point unless you do that. So um, now you mentioned a couple of events. I want to get a little bit more pointed here for my audience. Um, are, so first question, it might be a stupid question, but are your events only open to South Asian women executives or are, is it any woman that could attend your event? So that's a great question, and I get that a lot. My events are open to anybody as long as the topic resonates with you. I just did that event at the San Diego Museum of Art on Friday. Not one person who showed up there was South Asian, but it was a tour of women-only artists, and the topic resonated for them. It was a brand-new curated exhibit that was really, really wonderful, and people wanted to see it. They wanted to hear those stories. Um, I'm in a saturated market like New York City, and I felt that I needed to have a brand, and I needed to have something that I went to market to battle for. And so for me, I'm very open about the fact that, yes, I champion South Asian women, but if the topic is of interest to you, by all means, you should be able to come. Okay, great. So is you have something coming up in New York um, this year or next that women could attend? Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of uh, queries from women about public speaking, you know, um, because of the space I occupy in the world. A lot of people are looking for coaching or they're looking for, you know, uh, tips on how to be a better public speaker. Which leads me to my next point because we're a little bit over time. Um, yeah. But uh, I want first. I want to thank you for being on on the podcast and um, being a being a, being a mutual luminary member. I'm sure we'll be doing many things together. And yeah. as leaders, we are here to support each other. Um, and we have Wonder Woman in Business uh, is coming together with Women of Culture, September 26. And Joy, I hope you're going to be involved attending. We'll talk about it after um but we are having an entre art of entrepreneurship panel so we're oh, pulling God. in yeah it's, it's going to be really cool because in part of my life i'm an entrepreneur leading entrepreneurs the other half i'm an artist so a musician so we're having um leading women uh we have a top music producer we have uh, princess lockerloo i don't know if you know her but she was on so you think you can dance which is going to be really cool uh and we have a couple other leading women in visual arts and in film so that panel, I am hoping the intention is to bring together Wonder Women in a way that they can network, but they can learn from each other. And I hope it sparks and ignites a conversation about the convergence and the commonalities between being an artist and being an entrepreneur. And as you said at the top of this show, it is about being innovative, creative, persistent, and grit. And I think all of those character traits come together on both sides. So... Um, so with that, again, I want to thank you, Joya, for being on the show. Uh, for anyone that's on, we are going to be editing this, of course, and making this available on all the Wonder Women in Business channels. So I hope that you watch it again and you share it with other women. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Jasmine. We're going to meet up very soon. You got it. Okay. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.